I think if we start to shift a little bit more to keep and engage and connect with the people we do currently have. And by that, I mean, like, are they liking your photo? Are they commenting? Are they DMing? Are they replying to your stories? That to me is more precious than my follower count growing. I wish both could happen, but if I had to choose one, I'm focusing more on the engagement. This is the Alchemized Life podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. If this is your first time joining in and you are joining because of the beautiful Jara, hi, welcome to the podcast. I could not be more excited for today's episode. And I know that I say this a lot, but Jara is someone that I immediately connected with. One, when I first started following her on Instagram, but then also when we sat down for this conversation, um, she's just so fucking cool, you guys. And I'm really, really looking forward to all of you hearing this beautiful woman's energy and how inspiring her journey is. And for me, at least, I just got off of the call with her feeling so amped up and motivated to really step out of my own way and start to get serious about a lot of projects that I had kind of started putting off a little bit. So I hope that this episode does the same for all of you. It's 11.11. Oh my goodness. Have you guys made a wish yet? Do you remember when you used to do that? Maybe you still do that, but I used to do that all the time when I was younger and um, would always make wishes. And I wish that I could remember some of the things that I wished for because I think that might have been unconscious manifestation at that point. But speaking of manifestation, I have the Conscious Creators Retreat coming up this week. I'm going to be leaving on Thursday for about 10 days with the beautiful Kate Van Horn. Our retreat starts this Saturday in Costa Rica at Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. And I cannot believe that it's already here. You know, we started planning it a lot earlier this year. And at first it was a little nerve wracking putting out my first retreat and having all of the, you know, thoughts and worries come into my head about, oh, are people going to want to sign up? Will we be able to sell it out? And very, very quickly, all of those fears, all of those worries and doubts were quieted because this was one of the most harmonious and fluid and flowy sales experiences of my entire career in the wellness space. And I think that that just goes to show that when we are in alignment, things are supposed to be easy. And that leads me to, again, just share about my upcoming retreat 
in Santa Barbara. So if you missed out on the Conscious Creators Retreat in Costa Rica, I am going to be leading a VIP immersion January 25th through the 26th at the Hotel Californian in Santa Barbara. So I would absolutely love to have you here. I'm not gonna dive too much into it today because I wanna jump into this episode with Jara, but it's going to be a weekend immersion really focusing on money manifestation and career mapping for 2020. There's gonna be spa treatments, hosted brunches, hosted dinners, branded gift bags from all of my favorite brands in the wellness and spiritual space. And it's going to be a once in a lifetime type of transformation. So link is in the show notes for you guys. If you're interested in coming, it is January 25th and the 26th. But again, just look out for the areas in your life that are really easy and that you're passionate about and that feel really good and as if you're being supported because that's where you should be focusing your attention on versus trying to force and muscle through different things. We shouldn't have to muscle through our soul's purpose. And when we are in alignment, things just work out. Things just go into place. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, but when we are moving in the direction of our true north, the universe conspires to support us along the way. So just a little call to action before we jump into this episode for you guys to reflect on the areas of your life that are fluid and flowy and those that maybe need a little bit of adjusting. Doesn't necessarily mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it does ask you to readjust into something that feels more in alignment, that feels better, that feels more fluid, feels more supportive of your journey here on this planet because we are meant to be happy, fulfilled, loving creatures of planet Earth, of the universe. And so anything that we're doing that is distracting us from that is simply just delaying the timeline of the inevitable. So with that being said, a little rant from me, you guys, Jarrah, is a full-time content creator based out of New York. She is one of my major expanders right now because everything that she does is so uniquely and authentically herself. And I think that I shared this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but I really started looking at reframing who my expanders are. And Jara is one of the people that is at the top of my list just because I don't think that she gives a fuck. I think that she gives a fuck in a way that like is normal to anyone in our year of 2019 going into 2020, but she doesn't allow it to warp or shift what she's bringing into the world and how she's showing up. And that's really why I respect her besides the fact that she's so fucking talented and she has an amazing story as well. So you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Wanted to ask everyone a quick favor before we hop into the conversation. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, or maybe this is your first time and you have yet to leave a review, it would mean the world to me. Truly, truly, truly. It means so much to me and brings me so much joy to read your reviews um, on Apple Podcasts. And what the review does is help support the podcast in all of the algorithm on iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, all the like not so fun stuff, but it helps the podcast to get out to even more people. And so that means that I can continue creating all of this great content, this free content for you guys and continue talking to these incredible wellness leaders and bringing their stories, their information, their practices to your ears on a weekly and sometimes bi-weekly basis. And I have huge, huge plans for the podcast in 2020. So again, all of your support means the world to me. You are as big a part of this as every other person that has come on the podcast, as myself, as my team. So thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up here on a weekly basis, for listening to these interviews. I love you guys so much. And of course, if you also want to share the episode 
on your Instagram stories or with a friend who might need Jarrah's words, make sure to tag the podcast at The Alchemized Life and tag Jarrah at Jarrah Bean. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Jarrah. Enjoy. Did you feel like you had to build that trust like over time for me? Cause I, I was in graphic design and branding as well. And, you know, project management and marketing literally did everything. Cause I was in startup too. Um, so you already know, <laughs> and, I know all about that life. Yep. Um, it was really hard for me to trust in the letting go though, and trust in the like, just like flowing into, okay, now I'm going to shift into freelancing. Now I'm going to let go of my freelancing and pursue um, my podcast and working with brands. And it was scary for sure. And so have you, have you always kind of like had a faith like since a young age or was it something that you just had to build through experience? I think... It's been there, but it also hasn't been there. When I think about just in general, my interests and hobbies and passions over the years, it's really been a wide range. Like when I was growing up, I was super into acting, like kindergarten through sixth grade. I loved being in school plays, but then there was a switch. All of a sudden, seventh grade, I got into sports and I started playing basketball. And then when I got to college, I was undeclared. And my second semester freshman year, I was like, oh, art sounds cool. Let me just try this. This this seems fun and has my my interest. And then doing the whole graphic design thing and then pivoting into Instagram. So in that sense, I think I've had an innate sense of going with the flow and just seeing how things evolve. But then of course, I look at certain moments or years of my life where I didn't have the or I didn't listen to the intuition. Mm-hmm. For example, that job I was describing. I mean, I I think I was probably 23, 24. I was with them for about two years. And I cannot believe I didn't let myself just quit. Like there, I think there was a fear around will I get another job? Or also a fear and a guilt around I am so pivotal to this company and they need me because I do so much and I've developed this certain thing that I do for them on Photoshop that it would be so hard to teach to someone else. Like You tell yourself these things to kind of stay in these comfortable yet unsatisfying or even worse, sort of disastrous for your life position, whether it's a job or relationship. So I see a, a push and a pull um, of sort of going both ways of, of trusting the process, but then also not listening to myself. I've definitely had both things happen to me. Yeah. I mean, that totally, I can't even believe that I haven't thought about that throughout. Cause I always reflect on like my whole corporate journey and I, I've totally forgot like the immense amount of guilt. I yes. felt. No one talks about this. Yeah. This is, I, this is, I'm glad we're talking about this because I feel like maybe this is an Instagram post that is now formulating yes, in my yes. head. Like we, someone treats you badly, whether we're talking about a job or a relationship or a friendship. And for some reason, we have this weird guilt and we stay. Yeah. Well, and we make excuses too. It's it's so funny. I'm literally writing about this before I hopped on to this interview and just how we make excuses, whether it is the relationship, oh, you know, they're just really stressed out right now. Or if it's a friendship, oh, she's just going through a breakup, but it's going to be okay. Or, you know, even with ourselves of like, Oh, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I don't let people in. It's fine. Like all of these excuses that we make to like keep us in this like comfortable 
little tidy box that like is not actually our box either. Like we're trying to fit ourselves into these boxes that aren't really our boxes. So how did you have like an intuitive awakening or something? Like what was the, what was the final straw where you were just like, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Well, there's, it's funny. There's two that pop into my mind in terms of this light bulb moment. One specifically in terms of what we were just talking about. And then one, when I started my Instagram, but in terms of staying on topic to this horrific job that I was in, I actually remember just waking up one day. It was, I think, late winter or spring of 2014, I want to say. And I I woke up and I was like, I got to quit. I just got to quit. Like I got to get myself out of here. I got to leave. And it was... I was terrified to tell them that I was leaving. And it was also in this, um, the job had developed in that they were no longer in Boston and they were in New York. And I was once a week commuting to New York on a bus because they wouldn't pay for a train. For anyone who hasn't done the New York Boston bus trip, it sounds not so bad, but when you do it every week and you're spending six hours on a cramped bus on your computer trying to do Photoshop the whole time, it's really not pleasant. Um, So I was like, all right, next time I go to New York, which is within the week or so, I'm sitting down and having a meeting and I'm, I'm telling them that I'm out of there. I just, finally, I like just broke. It just happened. So (laughs) what would you say for somebody who is in that position, like how to go into that room and put your notice in? Because I think that for me, at least there was a lot of fear and the guilt coming up of, Oh my God, what if they get really upset with me? Like, how am I? And of course, on the other end, you're, it's always like, Oh yeah. Okay. We, we respect your decision. Not all, all the time, but like most of the time people are like, we understand. Um, but for you, like, did you have to like pump yourself up or anything? Like, how did you get through the fear of like, even walking through those doors to put in your notice? It's funny. I I haven't thought about this in a while and I'm just having this flashback of something really bizarre happening that day where it actually had nothing to do with me, but I thought it had something to do with me. And I was already so nervous and excited. Like there was something where I got a text where they're like, meet us in the conference room at 12. And I thought that they knew that I was quitting already. They were going to bombard me. I don't know. It was something that added to my stress already. And I don't remember once I finally went in, what I said or how I prepared. I'm sure anytime in these situations, I always have a couple sentences in my head ready to go just because I get flustered really easily. So it's good to have something in my back pocket to refer to. Um, But I think that I just was super logical, not emotional. I don't know if I expressed gratitude, but I probably did in some way. Like, thank you for allowing me to build my skills, yada, yada. And um, I I believe she was pretty understanding. It wasn't anything mean or angry or reactive, but yeah, I feel like I've kind of blocked that out of my memory yeah, a little no, bit. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel you. Yeah. Well, cause I think that that's like part of, part of the challenge is like the fear of walking through that door because, you know, once you walk through that door, it kind of is like, that's, that's it. You've made your decision. It's time for you to, you know, take that next step. And it can be really terrifying because... Yeah, yeah. You're standing up for yourself. Yep. And and you're making a big change. And that is not always an easy thing to do to stand up for yourself and and ultimately make a shift that is going to change your life and kind of unsettle you for a little bit if, if we're talking about a job specifically. Yeah. So, okay. So what was the next step then? Is that when you found SoulCycle after you quit this job? 
No. Oh my goodness. That was like many years after. So, um, specifically with graphic design, when I left, I've always, or at least when I was in my design life, I've always been really dedicated when it comes to finding jobs. Like when I moved from LA to Boston originally, um, I remember I was, I, it was like two months before I got there and I had this Excel sheet and I was on Craigslist and all the job sites. And I think I originally found my job because I couldn't find an email address for this one company and I sent them a Facebook message. So I was, I've always been really just like, I'm, I'm going to figure out the next step. And so when it came to leaving that job, I think I'd probably already started looking up different places that I could just do some freelance work for. And I ultimately found one company that I just went into for a couple of days a week uh, to do some graphics design stuff on the side. And I found another place to assist a photographer, which is actually ended up being another terrible job. But I was just like, oh, this is interesting to do something that is in the creative field, but is non-design related, just to give my mind a little bit of a break. And then on top of that, I found some freelance work. So that was the the next step. And fast forwarding a little bit, it was about a year later that I started my Instagram account, got into the whole fitness thing. And then fast forward another like nine months is when I found SoulCycle. Amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of people will just, again, going back to like the highlight reel of Instagram, we think that when we quit our jobs, like our full-time jobs, we have to be fully supported by Instagram or by our blog or by our podcast. And I think that stops a lot of people. But what I've found out besides my own journey, like very similar to your journey is that it's like gradual steps, you know, like I didn't just quit my job and um, jump into the world of Instagram. I quit my job and started freelancing for like five or six different other companies. And it took about a year and a half for me to get to the point where I was able to fully let go of all of those things. It was very, very gradual over time. Yeah, I've been doing the Insta thing for four and a half years now, and it wasn't, I've been doing it full time for a year and a half. So, yeah, it definitely does not happen right away. And, and, but to that point, I think that when we do make these jumps, I think sometimes it's romanticized a bit where it's like, I'm going to quit and pursue my dreams. And, that's great, but do you have some sort of financial plan? Do you have savings? Do you have other income coming in? Like these are some things that I think aren't always talked about when it comes to going for your dreams. It's like we also have to be realistic and smart about it as well and be able to support ourselves, whether we have a, a person supporting us or other streams of, of revenue coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to like expand upon that a little more because I do think that there is like a very fine line between supporting yourself and setting yourself up and then also just being like overly cautious. So can you you speak about that a little bit? And as it comes to like fear, because I think that a lot of people of course have fears around money and that's what stops you from, you know, quitting the job, having the relationship, whatever it might be, um, because all these fears come up. Yeah, I think it's just being realistic with your current situation. So for me specifically, I feel like I have had a few kind of like uh, privilege uh, situations where I've been able to test things out. So two things specifically, when I left... Now, this is another design job that I'm talking about, fast forwarding a little bit from what we were just speaking about. Um, I originally left that to go freelance so that I could also pursue Instagram. And my boyfriend at the time, even though I had money coming in, we had a talk and he's like, listen, if you 
don't have all of a sudden any money coming in for from graphic design, or I don't think I was actually making any money from Instagram at the time. But if like that money was to stop, he's like, I could cover your portion of the rent for a month or two, like that kind of thing. Or when I was in my soul cycle phase and I was going to be uh, into my, getting ready for my instructor training, I actually, my boyfriend and I, he dumped me out of nowhere and I moved back to New York and moved in with my mom. And because of that, I wasn't having to take on design work at the time because I wasn't having to pay rent. So sometimes we have these special situations that give us a little bit more flexibility with our finances. And if you have that, that is such a privileged opportunity to pursue something that you're wanting to pursue. If you don't have that, which plenty of people don't, um, I think that there's ways to be smart about it. Like if you are have three months, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a financial person, so I don't know exactly, but if you have three months or six months worth of money uh, in terms of the things that you need to cover in terms of expenses saved up, maybe it is the time to kind of take a risk and explore what your passion is and take your job part-time so you can pursue what lets uh, let your soul on fire and using uh, the money that you've set aside. So yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Like when I was leaving my job about a year before I knew that I was going to leave my job. I decided, or my husband and I, he was my boyfriend at the time. We decided that we were going to quit our jobs and move to South America. So we spent, oh, the, wow. yeah, we spent the entire year saving up though. So we saved up a ton of money. So we knew that like, if we were gone for six months in South America, we would have more than enough money to get us by. Uh, yeah. We yeah. Set so ourselves up. Planning. Yep. Yeah. Setting yourself up. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many tools to help you do that. Whether it's like, what is it? Like the mint app has like a whole like yeah. saving thing. There's just so many things like you so can be financial yeah. apps and things out there to help you with that. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how do you, how are you resourceful? You know, it sounds like you've been resourceful from the beginning. Like you would make your spreadsheets, go on Craigslist. You would reach out to people via Facebook. Like most people wouldn't even think to do that. How have you created this like resilience and resourcefulness that has ultimately like really helped you upon along your entire path? Yeah, I think the first thing that pops into mind is not being afraid to ask for help along the way. Whether, I mean, the, one of the first things that pops into my head when I wanted to become a soul cycle instructor and I had no idea where to begin, where to begin, I reached out to a soul cycle instructor that I admired and he was so gracious with his time that he took the time to grab a coffee with me and chat and let me know about the process. That was just a sort of a little moment of reaching out, but it had a huge benefit for me. And he actually ended up being instrumental in me becoming a soul cycle instructor. Um, so I think, yeah, not being, not being afraid to ask for help. And, and that is super pertinent right now in my mind because this past year or past year and a half, as I mentioned earlier, I've been a full-time Instagram influencer. And while I've found success in that, and I'm so grateful for everything I've created and all the opportunities that I have that have come to me, I have felt in the last six months or maybe more, like, what's the next step? What am I going to create? That's my own. What other ways can I create revenue? Because right now it's all just Instagram. What other ways can I connect with people besides just being in this app? And I, let's see, about three weeks ago, I hired a business coach, which I've been thinking about doing for a really long time. And I'm just finally made the jump and it's been so amazing so far. And I feel this new passion and excitement ignited in me that has not been there for quite some time. So 
yeah, that's just another way I, I feel like I've just put my hand out and been like, okay, I can't do this all on my own necessarily, even though I've tried to do it a lot. So yeah, asking for help, I think is a huge thing that we should never feel shame around. Yeah, no, I think that that's, it's just so important. And, you know, I see it with mostly with like my mom, my mom hates asking for help. And it's like this like level of like, I think boundaries, like really rigid boundaries that we set because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want people to judge us. Um, But ultimately like asking for help is also a gift for the other other person, you know, like when someone asks you for help, it feels so good to be able to help them. Like you feel valued and stuff. And I love that you, I saw when you um, posted on your Instagram stories, when you started working with your business coach, Um, it's, it's so fun and so transformational. I hired my first coach last year and she wasn't even like a mentor coach. I just went up to her at like a Wanderlust festival. And I was like, I admire you so much. I love what you're doing. I don't know if you mentor women, but like, I would absolutely love to work with you if you would be down to work with me. And um, we worked together for a year and she actually created a mentorship program after working with me um, because she was inspired by the work that we were doing. Wow. And see how cool is that? I mean, just to see like she helped you, but that was a reciprocal relationship and something really wonderful came out of it for her. So that's just so cool to hear that. And I think, like you said, like providing help, it's something in my mind that immediately kind of flares up is there are a lot of people that ask for help and it's coming from maybe not the right place. Like anytime someone says, Hey, can I pick your brain? Like instantly that, that phrase just like, I'm, it drives me crazy because I feel like people are just gimme, gimme, gimme Mm -hmm. versus coming from a place where you can almost give something back, even though you're asking for something from someone like, like last night, um, a gal who I've been super friendly with in the Instagram world for a couple of years now sent me a message. And she's like, I have a company that reached out. They're asking me to do a photo shoot. They're asking me for my rates. I have no idea where to begin. And we already have an established relationship. And I know she's such a great person. And I actually wrote down, I was like, Hey, here are the last five photo shoots I did. And here's how much I was paid and mm-hmm. here's what you need to ask about usage rights and, and contracts and uh, how long the shoot is. And she had no idea that these were even questions that she could be asking. And it felt really good to give my knowledge to someone who I knew was coming from such a genuine place of needing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think even like for me on the end of like asking people to come on my podcast, like before I reached out to you, I was like, I'm going to go through all of her videos. I'm going to like one, make sure that I like actually want to have her on the podcast not just, yeah. be- not just because you have an audience and you've grown a business, but also because like, I really resonate with your energy. And when I reached out, I like wanted to make sure that I was being very vocal about how much you've impacted me and putting it from a place of like, I want to highlight you. I want to share you and your message because I think that like you said, like the gimme, gimme, gimme is it happens so often that especially for, you know, people like you that have so many people reaching out on a daily basis, you have to create that boundary because if you don't, then it's just like, people are going to be sucking you dry and trying to take as much as they can from you. And yeah, exhausting. And it's hard because some people are wired to just be really good at saying no. And for me, I'm someone who always wants to help who always wants to give, share knowledge. But like you said, if you give it away to everyone who asks, it is it, it sucks you. I mean, that's kind of... I'm thinking actually being a soul cycle instructor, like you are up there giving everything all the time and it's constantly sucking everything 
out of you. So just, yeah, just interesting that that popped into my head, same kind of metaphor. So you do, you do have to create boundaries and learn how to say no in a respectful way in order to protect yourself, your soul, your energy, your knowledge even. Let's take a quick pause, you guys, because if you did not hear the other week, I just got back from Camp Conscious and wanted to share with you guys that your girl finally got her hands on Ritual Vitamins. Ritual Vitamins has always been that elusive, maybe one day I will get to try them situation. So you can imagine my excitement when we had a ritual lunch and received a bottle in our gift bags. I know you guys have heard about Ritual before, and you know how I feel about supplements. Less is more, and there's really zero reason why we need to be taking 5 million different things without really knowing what or if they are working. So enter Ritual. It's one vitamin. That means one bottle in your carry-on, one bottle on the bathroom counter, just one, with nine nutrients that the majority of us, myself certainly, aren't getting in our typical diet. I remember when I was deep in my supplement game and traveled with like nine different bottles of vitamins. It was ridiculous and my carry-on smelled like a supplement store. Ergo, clothes did not smell great either. With Ritual, I'm on cloud nine, having to only keep track of the single bottle and know that I'm filling my body with omega-3s, folate, iron, magnesium, and five other crucial vitamins that my body was lacking. Plus, Ritual is transparent with where their ingredients come from. If you obsess over labels like me, it's vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. So if you have a trendy sensitivity and can't stomach 90% of the supplements on the market, you're likely covered with Ritual Vitamins. So remember, this is a supplement. It's meant to supplement and enhance everything you're doing and maintain a healthy lifestyle. Supplements take time, but when you're consistent and show up for yourself in all the other ways, drinking water, working out, eating healthy, you're really allowing your body to thrive and support you in everything you are doing. So with that being said, I'm giving you guys 10% off your first three months of ritual. Yeah, three months. Use the essentials for women for three months and fill in the gaps of your diet with Ritual. I promise you guys will absolutely love this brand. All you have to do to take advantage of that 10% off is visit ritual.com forward slash alchemize to start your ritual today. Again, that's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com forward slash alchemized. I'll link them in the show notes too. And before we jump back into the episode, since we are on the topic of enhancing your everyday life... Let's talk about meditation, you guys. You know I am such a meditation evangelist. It is the practice that has transformed my entire life. Literally, if there is one thing I can point to as in the big game changer in my life, it has been meditation. And it's so much more than just relieving stress and anxiety. Meditation is used to amplify your entire life. So I wanted to share a quick story with you guys on like how I actually started meditating daily because I had tried it in my yoga teacher training, but it was so challenging for me to sit with a timer on my phone and just do it by myself. I was given an opportunity to try Calm on my friend's phone. And if you haven't heard of the Calm app, you guys need to check it out. 
Because ultimately, it's more than just meditation. There's sleep stories for bedtime, relaxing sounds and videos, breathing exercises. You guys know I love the breathing exercises, calm music, and masterclasses. So not only are you able to try guided meditations and different styles of meditations to see what works best for you, but there are all these other techniques that allow you to truly enhance your life on so many different levels. And I know that you guys have heard of Calm before, but did you know that they have over 410 thousand, yes, thousand five-star app reviews. They have 37 million downloads and almost 75,000 downloads per day. They are the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. And they have so much content. You guys, I just cannot share enough how using Calm at the beginning of my meditation journey helped support me in so many different ways. If you guys have never tried Calm before, I'm so excited to share that they are offering all Alchemized Life listeners 25% off of a Calm premium subscription. All you have to do is go to calm.com slash alchemized to take advantage of this. Again, that's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash alchemized. 40 million people have downloaded Calm, you guys. Find out why at calm.com forward slash alchemized. So I want to talk about your soul cycle journey because I, before we hopped on air, um, one of the things that like really just like sparked such a like, I don't know, proudness in my heart and just like made me so happy was seeing your talk at in Times Square. So can you share a little bit about one, just like the process of talking in front of people in, in Times Square and how your soul cycle journey and this relationship to fear developed? Yeah. So the, the, talk in Times Square, I think was in June with the brand Airy. And they reached out. I'd already worked with them once before, just an Instagram post. And they asked me if I wanted to give a five minute talk during their event in the day. And instantly, anytime I get any sort of request to do a panel or teach a class or talk in front of hundreds or thousands of people in Times Square, my initial reaction is like, no, don't do it say no, like this is like, eh, 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 alarms are going off. <laughs> but I know that whenever that feeling creeps up, that is actually a sign to be like, wait a second, this is just your kind of fight or flight system going off. And it gives me motivation to actually kind of flip that around and say yes, because I know it will benefit me and strengthen me and, and just only do good. So um, I did go forward with that talk in Times Square. It was five minutes long. I practiced like a mad woman. I knew that I knew the speech by heart. I think my next step in public speaking will be able to will be more of learning how to not feel so in control to let go of the control a little bit and, and not necessarily have everything memorized. But for now, that that is my safe space and something that feels quite uncomfortable. But I talked about my soul cycle journey and I'm happy to go into that. But just super briefly, the the nutshell of it is in 2000, the end of 2015, I got back into soul cycle because that was my super heavy fitness days because fitness changed my life and got me out of a dark place. And I got the crazy idea that sparked in my mind, I thought, oh my God, what if I could be a soul cycle instructor just because it was my safe haven. I loved going to it. It just made me feel unlike anything else made me feel in my life. And that be- that started the long journey to making it happen. And I 
over the course of the end of 2016, sorry, 15 to the um, end of 2016, I auditioned twice and I went through the 10-week training twice uh, because I failed the first time. And then thank goodness I passed the second round. And at the end of 2016, I started teaching. So it took me about a year to make it happen. And there was a lot of fear in the process in terms of not having any experience as a fitness instructor, being terrified of public speaking, having a lot of anxiety around that, not being that great of a soul cycle writer. So I really kind of had so many things working against me in order to make it happen. And then even once it happened, even once I was teaching, there was so much fear every day. I would walk into class with my heart racing, my hands shaking. And I was like, thank God this is a dark room because I can sound confident over the microphone, or at least I thought I did. Um, but people won't see the physical cues of how, um, stressed or, or scared I am. And that was, that was for many, many months. Like it, it I was able to sort of break through and by the, the second song, I felt a little bit more comfortable, but those nerves were almost always there even after a year and a half of teaching. Yeah. I mean, I totally resonate with that. When I went through my yoga teacher training, I just remember like my entire body being in a state of fight or flight for the entire yes. class too. And I'm like, this yes. is very relaxing for those people around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People, in, unless you're a fitness instructor, people have no idea the work and mental and physical energy and fear that it takes to work through in order to do that, in order to be an instructor and and lead people. It's not an easy thing. Yeah. So what shifted then of wanting to um, let go of SoulCycle and pursue Instagram full-time? So I was teaching for about a year and a half and I will say, I just want to say there are so many positive things about SoulCycle for me. It was a huge factor in me finding so much more confidence in myself, in me fighting through fears and so many limitations and just finding a lot of strength and knowing that if I put my mind to something, I can freaking do it. So it was a transformational chapter in my life. So I just want to say I have so many positive things to say about it and my specific relationship with it. Um, But that being said, I think that a mistake I made was putting SoulCycle on this pedestal. I think when you are fighting for a dream or working towards a dream, or you look up to something or someone and you're kind of tunnel vision and blind to everything else, once you reach it, once you become it, once you meet that person, whatever it is, reality sets in and it's not as shiny and amazing and wonderful as you made it out to be. Like I think when I was training to become a soul cycle instructor, I should have just gotten a little bit more realistic about what the job was. Because if you go to a top instructor here in New York City and their classes are constantly sold out and that means they're making more money because more people in your classes, the more money you make, um, there's more energy in the room. That's not the case for a brand new instructor. Like you're teaching a lot of empty rooms, you're paying your dues and you don't have a set schedule. So there's just a lot that you're dealing with. And, And at first I thought, okay, I'm just kind of adjusting to this new life, adjusting to the energy required and, and not really having people come to my classes and your ego and all that. Um, And there were moments certainly that were just 
incredible. Like when the energy aligns and your playlist is just perfect and you're not struggling with what you're saying, everything just comes out perfectly. It's this incredible surge of energy that is, is truly magical as an instructor. And I experienced that for sure several times as I was teaching. But I think I just realized that it wasn't what I thought it would be for the most part. Like most days were just really tough. <laughs> And I wasn't getting as much joy as I should have considering how much it took out of me. Like it was taking more out of me than it was putting in. And of course, not every single day at your job is amazing. Like it is a job, it's work, but there are soul cycle instructors who were putting in as much work as I was and they just, they love it. They just love it. And I wasn't loving it. Um, so that was a huge factor. Another factor was it just, you don't make a lot of money as a soul cycle instructor. And that was an issue for me. Um, and then in conjunction with that, my Instagram, which I started in 2015, I was doing the whole time at soul cycle and I was seeing what my peers were doing and how they were progressing and evolving. Like those who were doing it full time, I was seeing the opportunities that they were getting. And I felt envious, envious just in general, but envious because I knew that I had the opportunity to do that as well. So it was just sort of this mix, this coming together of, a, of so many reasons in terms of energy, not loving it, um, financial, and, ju- and just seeing what I was capable of doing if I left SoulCycle and pursued my own thing full-time. Mm. I just saw so much more potential in that. So it was a really, really tough decision for me to make because it was my life for two and a half years. I lived, eat, breathe, slept SoulCycle, and, and it was such a dream of mine that to all of a sudden reach this dream and then leave it. It was like a little bit sort of messed with my head a bit, but sent in the email. And then like a month later I quit. And and that was the end of April, 2018. So about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I have a very like similar feeling about like my whole journey with teaching yoga. You know, when I was in my yoga teacher training, I discovered aloe yoga and I was like, oh my God, these leggings are amazing. And yes, they yes. are such a cool brand. And from that point forward, I was like, I want to be an aloe yoga ambassador. Like that is my ultimate goal. And um as I was, you know, progressing and building my Instagram and like doing lots of yoga photos and all that jazz, I started like realizing I'm like, well, I don't really want to just post yoga photos on my Instagram and just be known as a yogi that can like do these crazy backbends that like aren't really good for your body anyways. And it was like this interesting experience. And I started teaching at headquarters. And now that I live up in LA, I teach for their studios. And I just realized I'm like, I love this brand so much. But the idea of being put into this corner of just being an aloe ambassador and not being able to do anything else, not having like photos of me in my street clothes or talking yeah. about I, it was an interesting wake up call. And even now that I, because I mentor women that are like just starting out in the wellness industry too, and there's women that want to be aloe ambassadors that have so much to offer. And I'm not saying that like, none of the Al ambassadors have anything to offer there. I'm friends with many of them and they're incredible human beings, but to limit yourself to just focusing on this one thing, I'm very, I'm sure like very much like you experienced with soul cycle, like the master instructors or master teachers are like all fucking in and it makes it so you can't divert your energy as much to other things that you're passionate about. 
Yeah. And that even just what you were saying about mentoring girls and them wanting to be ally ambassadors, that even sparks a thought for me in that so many people, young girls, whoever want to become influencers these days. Like that is a job that people want, which is crazy because it didn't even exist five years ago. And now that I am in this spot and, and I have achieved that and I've been successful in that, and I've had the thought of but there's so much more out, more that I can do and give and different ways to um, make money and provide revenue for myself that I, I think the same thing as you were just describing, like, oh, I want to be an influencer, but I'm like, okay, but there's more that you should do than just that. You have to think a little bit bigger and a little bit more outside the box. Right. For sure. Well, I mean, I, I know you know just as well as I do, but over time, like Instagram is going to change. There's going to be a new yeah. platform. There's going to be new ways for people to, you know, consume content. And so, um, expanding your potential and like the opportunities that you get is the smartest thing that you can do as an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in any industry, whatever it is that you do, you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket. I was just listening to a podcast the other day and it's funny how Sometimes I'll just turn a podcast on and pick a random episode. And I'm like, this is exactly what I need to hear right now. How did they know? Um, and it was a podcast about marketing, but they were talking about how you really should have three streams of revenue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, I have one. Like, I, I need to figure this out. Um, and these are things that you don't really hear about when you're young and starting a business and working for yourself. Like no one teaches you this, just like no one teaches you how to do your taxes. And like, these are the things that we need to talk about and, and get more educated and smarter on, I think. For sure. I think we should absolutely ditch history, put in a course on growing an yes. Instagram. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, we need, like, to learn about freaking calculus. Like I need to know, like, I'll never forget the first time was 1099. I had no idea that I had to put 30% of or more of my income away in an account to pay for taxes. And I was so grateful that the company that I was doing work for, the the secretary, she was like, Jara, are you putting away the extra? And I was like, huh, what are you talking about? And it was just this one random person that told me I needed to do it. I was like, how did we not know this? Or how did I not know this already? Yeah, for sure. One of my girlfriends the the other day, she texted me and she's, or maybe it was a couple months ago, but she's like, so I just got a letter from the IRS that I owe all this money. I'm like, have you been putting money aside at all? And she's like, no, I didn't. I thought that they took it out. And I'm like, no. No, like thank God my roommate, like my very first roommate when I was still like working my regular job was a freelancer, worked on a 1099. And so he told me that. And that was literally the only way that I knew, but I wasn't exactly or at the time. So it was just one of those things that I stored in the memory bank. Um, So I'm curious then going back to like, okay, so you decided to leave SoulCycle, pursue Instagram full-time what were your steps to growing? Like, I feel like they're all pretty, you know, they're pretty simple. Like no one has any like crazy new tricks to help them grow on Instagram. But what would you say is like the most beneficial things that you did to build an audience, build a community and grow your following on Instagram? Granted, I know it was three, four years ago. So definitely different now. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that what it was, the answer two years ago or whatever, three years ago versus now is definitely different. So if we are rewinding, I started off my Instagram account with no intention of it growing. I did not... The word influencer didn't even exist in the way that it exists now. And I started Kayla Encinas' 
BBG workout guide, if you're familiar with those. And it was a very specific niche, but it was a growing niche. Um, The guide was really popular, but it was becoming even more popular. And I'd been following Kayla for about a year and I just was like, I need to do something positive for myself, make a change, get some physical motion happening because I wasn't working out at all. And so I just bought the guides, went to the gym and I started my Instagram account. And it was originally just a tool to hold myself accountable. But very quickly, I realized that there was a strong, supportive, encouraging community online. And that was a really exciting thing for me because at the time I didn't have any friends in real life. Um, It was this weird dark hole that I mentioned previously. And so I felt really fueled by these women who, you know, I'd post something like, Hey, I just did week two arms. Mountain climbers are tough as shit. And people be like, Oh, I did it this morning too. It was so hard. So there's this, this camaraderie that was instantaneous. And I was so excited to respond to everyone, to connect, to scroll through my feed and respond to other people's workouts that day. So I think that the commitment right away to connect with other women, especially in the niche that I was in, was really important. I think oftentimes we forget that social media is a two-way street. Like Oftentimes, I try my best. It doesn't always happen, but to respond to all my DMs. And a gal the other day was like, I can't believe you respond to me so quickly. Um, Doesn't it take away from your life and what you do? And of course, you know, if you're spending all your time on your phone, that is going to take away from actually living your life. But I told her how important it is to me to connect with my community because it's not a one-way street. I don't expect to just post content and be like, and just have everyone view it. Like I want to have conversations. I want to involve everyone. And that was a pillar that was there from the start. So the community and the engaging and wanting to connect was super important back then. And I think it's super important now. Of course, back then, like the naive days of Instagram, it was so much easier to grow. It was less saturated. There was no algorithm. So it was kind of a different ball game back then. And I think I was kind of lucky to start when I did. Um, it was sort of like this prime and ripe time to, to start your Instagram account. But if we're coming to current day, I think that of course there's all the things that you're going to hear like post consistently and and connect with other people on your feed and, and respond to comments. And I think it's that all is super important and just trying to be creative with the content that you're putting out to put out things that are interesting, vulnerable, informative. I could go on and on, but that's sort of my, all the, the ramblings of how to, how to grow in terms of back then and now. Yeah. I mean, and I think that it's still, as far as like what you're saying, like it's still, you're still using the same pillars today that you were back yeah, then. It yeah. Easier back then to grow doing these things. So do you find that it's harder now to grow or have, has your account kind of reached a part, a point where it's just kind of snowballing? Oh goodness. I wish it was snowballing. That'd be great. No, I've definitely hit a wall with growth. Not afraid to admit that because so many of us are dealing with that. Like I used to grow like, Oh goodness. I remember checking my, my Instagram, whatever it was three years ago. And I'd grow like a thousand followers in a night or, or someone would repost me and that would give me 500 followers. And now, you know, an account with a million followers will post my photo and it does nothing. Like people just don't care anymore. So with that being said, I think people can get so 
wrapped up in that, that I'm not growing, my follower number isn't changing, or it's just sort of teeter-tottering. But almost everyone is dealing with that. There are a few unicorns in the space that are just growing. And I'm like, wow, I wish I knew your secrets. They probably don't have any. They're just doing something. I don't know. But I think for me, it's been more important to focus on the people that I do have. So that was sort of a mindset shift for me. It's like, okay, yeah, you get those followers if you are growing, but then you just want more. What happens to the people who press the follow button and want to connect with you and want to engage with you? Like, I think if we start to shift a little bit more to keep and engage and connect with the people we do currently have. And by that, I mean like, are they liking your photo? Are they commenting? Are they DMing? Are they replying to your stories? That to me is more precious than my follower count growing. I wish both could happen, but if I had to choose one, I'm focusing more on the engagement. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that's what, if you're like looking to be an influencer, like that's what brands are looking at anyways, is your engagement rather than your following count. Because you could have somebody that has a million followers that has shit engagement and has like no community around them. You're, they're not going to buy your products, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is a shift because I think a couple of years ago, brands really were just looking at the follower count. They weren't yeah. savvy or no one was savvy enough to really look at engagement rate. But now it's like, you know, as I'm sure you know, I'm screenshotting all my analytics after every single brand campaign. They're seeing how many, what the reach is and the impression and how many saves and did people follow me from the post and did they click the links? It's like, we can see everything now. There's no sort of escaping those insights and, and analytics, which is good. That, that provides, I think, a security for brands to know that they're working with people who haven't bought like fake followers or their community just doesn't care, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I've found to be like most successful for me is my variation of media and community and ways to engage with people. And I'm curious to hear like how you are doing this as well. But for me, like when I work with a brand, I don't have that big of an audience. I mean, I do, like I definitely do com- in comparison to a lot of people, but I don't have like the best engagement, but I do have my podcast. I do have my classes. I have meetups. I have my YouTube channel. I have my email list. I have my blog. So I varied all of these different ways in which people can consume information and make it really, really engaging. And for me, that's like the, the brands that I work with are the ones that recognize that and that want to be... Um, you know, represented in multiple platforms and like be a part of in-person experiences and online experiences. So knowing that you are starting to vary the content and the way in which you are represented, how do you see your brand growing in the next like, well, 12 months to three or five years? Yeah. Let me just say, this is the first time I'm actually excited to answer this question because I have a little bit more of a tangible answer because the last year I've been on a couple podcasts and of course, everyone always wants to know what's in the works and, and what's next. And every single time I've had to respond with, oh, I don't know. And just be really honest that I'm in a space where I've felt stuck and also anxiety around feeling stuck about what the next step is. And as I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, I hired a business coach and it's, we're very new into starting things. So nothing is around yet, but I would really like to start branching into the space of helping women, helping small business owners, master social media and master Instagram specifically. So I like to call it like the wild, wild west of social media. So helping people navigate. And there's so many people, women, business owners who 
are just really clueless when it comes to Instagram, whether you have some basic knowledge already or whether you're just kind of starting out fresh. And it can be so overwhelming to like, how do I come up with things to post? What should my captions be about? Um, Do I use hashtags? And so I really would like to be a leader and a resource for people in order to educate and, and inform and help. So that may come in in an online class. It might be like a group coaching thing that I do over 12 weeks. It could be in-person workshops. I think the possibilities are endless with that, but I'm excited to continue my role as an influencer and content creator, but also add to that and diversify a little bit with actually becoming more of a, an expert in the space in terms of being on the other side of Instagram and social media. So very excited for that. I think 2020 is going to be a big year for me in terms of my personal and business development and in terms of pivoting into this new space. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure it comes from like listening to what people are asking you too, you know, like it's people have been asking you for this and that's, I mean, for me, I think that that's such a smart move to make because you are just responding to like what your audience wants, what's your what your community wants, rather than just being like, I have an idea and I'm gonna go after it and I'm not gonna vet it at all. Because um, yeah, def- yeah. I have definitely done that. <laughs> yeah, that's such an important thing and something that I've learned with my coach in the last two weeks. It's like you have to create something that people are actually demanding and wanting and asking for. Like you might think you have a good idea, but if no one wants it or needs it, then damn, don't spend the time doing it, creating yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it doesn't mean that it's not a bad idea. It just means that it maybe isn't worth your time right now. You know, like when I, when I first was getting into the Instagram space, I think it was like right after I broke 20 K and I was like, all right, now I am influential and I'm going to teach (laughs) other people how to be influential too. And so I spent like four and a half months recording video, writing out workbooks, all of these different things, creating this whole course for teaching yoga teachers how to market themselves online. And it sounds like something people would want. They didn't want that. No. No. Yeah. But I think timing is everything though. Like I think timing is everything because this year I launched my mentorship program. It was a one-on-one way and immediately sold out. And that was a year later. It was exactly a year later, but it was interesting because it was also the format in which people got to work with me. Whereas like a course wasn't necessarily the way in which people wanted to engage with me, but being able to work with me one-on-one, they were willing to invest more money to have that type of relationship. So I think it's super interesting and something for everyone to think about that has a business. Like look at your idea, vet it out, but know that your idea can manifest in different ways too. You know, just like you were saying with how you're going to help support people too. Yeah. And question for you. So the four and a half months that you spent doing this online course, like I'm sure there probably was a moment where you're like, I've wasted my time doing this, but something tells me that your time and effort that you put into that probably really helped you create your mentorship program, right? There's probably a lot of content in there. So it wasn't a waste of time. It was actually just something that needed to be repurposed. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, what was interesting is that I, in my mentorship program, I actually hadn't reflected back on any of it. Okay. Um, But I'm releasing actually on Monday, I'm releasing a new course that's five weeks of personal transformation, five weeks of um, career transformation. And I'm 100% going back into that course and pulling things that are still relevant. So now like in retrospect, this would be almost two years later from when I started building that course. Now I'm like, okay, great. I can reuse this content and like, not just be like, all right, I'm calling it a loss, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for everything that you're doing and I'm so grateful that you came and um, took the time to come on the podcast. It's honestly, this was such a fun conversation and it's been really cool to just hear your story and to just hear that it is like gradual steps. You know, it wasn't just like a Cinderella story of you waking up one day with over a hundred thousand (laughs) followers. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a lovely conversation. So thank you. Yeah. So where can people find you? How can we stay up to date on everything that you're doing? Yeah. So of course on the gram, I am Jared Bean, but there's a dot in there, Jared.Bean. Full disclosure, it might be changing to my full name soon. You heard it here first. So keep an eye. Um, I have my blog, JaredBean.com. You can sign up for my newsletter through my site. Um, my YouTube channel is very new, but Jared Bean on there as well. And Jared Bean on Twitter. So just Jared Bean all around. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. 